The following audio is via a Skype call. I have to figure out if I'm an optimist or a pessimist, and I don't know anymore. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday to you. This is Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour if our luck holds up. And if we stay on the good side of bad boy, Benny Mathers at the board. How are you, Benny? Doing very well. And uh, welcome back. I missed you guys. Well, we did, too. Uh... B-ball games were good, I take it. Yeah, they uh, won the day you were on, and they continued to keep on winning. That's a good thing. All right. Fantastic. So we gave up our time for basketball. So that the Lady Huskies could dominate the hardwood. In Puerto Rico, for the Puerto Rico Clasico. That's where they were. Just let wow. you know. Really? Yeah. Well, this time of year, they have these <laughs> tournaments yep. outside the continental United States. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly where they yeah. ended up. Well, good for the So Husky. did you That's get enough great. turkey there, Benny? Oh, man, I went overboard this year. I'd never done it ever in the history of my, like, you know, 42 and change on this planet. <laughs> they had to roll there me out of go. there. Yeah, they had to roll me out Beautiful. of there. Beautiful. That's excellent. Well, you know what? I feel the happiness vibe right now, Suzanne. There's got to be some way to oh, account we've, for we've it. Oh, we've been working up to it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And as a matter of fact... I think I don't know how fast Benny can work. I'm sorry that I didn't give you a little heads up about this, but I think a belated happy birthday is in order for the lady who is our special guest today. Ooh, really? That's right. Mm, okay, can, all right. Finally... Let, let me let me uh, read her bio while you're thinking about that, Benny. Winner. <laughs> Rebecca L. Norrington is first and foremost a student of the universe and its laws. She has a Bachelor of Science degree in psychology, along with decades of education and training on topics from spirituality to human behavior. Her professional journey includes several vocations, happiness specialist, radio and TV personality, intuitive healer, author, speaker, mystic, teacher, and fitness instructor. She's got a couple of websites. One is RebeccaNorrington.com. The other is RealitySpirituality.com. And we are pleased to bring on for the 11th time and following her very recent birthday, Rebecca L. Norrington. edit that bio. That's just way, <laughs> way, way too long. But anyway, and you know, where's my hat? Where's my feel? Where's my happy song? I was, uh, I was rocking the Beatles there. You didn't want that one? I can do something else. It's all good. No, it's all good. It's all good. I just remember. Anyway, it's all good. Thank you so much for having me on the show again, and thank you for the birthday wishes. And this youngster, this Benny guy, 40-something, listen, listen, wait till you hit 60-something. Stop bragging, whippersnapper. It's only a number. It's only a number. Don't you I know it. it's only a number. It's only a number. I know that. But th again, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's It's been it's been such a, a pleasure for me, and, and I just remember in the beginning, I didn't, I, I couldn't put two words together, but just the evolution, and I believe the last time we, I left you was uh, my mother died, left the house to the handyman, and that's where we left, that's where we left the story. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a to be continued. 
I've got more to that story if anyone's interested. What happens oh, to the absolutely. happiness specialist? What happens yeah. to the happiness specialist when life isn't so happy? Right. And and you know what? I, I I'm sorry that you signed up for that, Rebecca. But you are the perfect happiness specialist because you walk the talk. And I was telling a friend of mine about you this morning, and I was saying, you know, things happen to her the way they happen to everybody else, but her perspective and the way that she lives her life isn't dictated by her circumstances. And But some of your circumstances are pretty out there. So, so yes, you did leave us. Last time, with your mother passed away and the house went to the handyman, how do you be happy through that? Continue well, you know, on with the story, Rebecca. Well, well, thank. You. Well, you know the interesting thing about about happiness, and I and let me let me just back up a little bit and define happiness because everybody's got a different different definition, and and I, I like to use that word happiness and peace interchangeably. So happiness is a practice skill. I know when uh, uh, you and Gary first started your radio show, I don't know how long ago, but when you first started your shows, I know you weren't as polished as you are now, correct? That is true. That's true. Oh, way true. So so all this happiness is, is practice, and then what to practice? What to practice? What skills to practice that are going to add to your happiness and what skills to practice I mean, and what skills and what behavior to eliminate that subtracts from happiness. So all it is is a practice, and, and I'm dedicated, committed to practicing. And my definition of happiness is just to be able to vibrate an energy of peace regardless of what happens, just like you said, Suzanne, regardless of the circumstances. And it is challenging to say the least, but we all go through it. Life is a roller coaster regardless of what what's happening, you know, regardless of what you're vibrating. So if you're vibrating peace, you can, you can feel the difference when you're peaceful or when you're, or when you're angry or you're irritated. So whatever you're vibrating, the good news is the more you practice vibrating peace, contentment, satisfaction, and trusting that everything that is happening is here to serve you, you'll be able to navigate through those ups and downs, regardless of what they are. So it is really a practice, peace, Happiness is a practice skill, but how committed are you, and I'm talking to each individual, to practicing? I believe in it. I think it's a wonderful thing. The great thing about happiness is having some, same as money, when you think about it, and it is a practice. I think it ties into something that I believe you've trademarked it. If not, you should, and that's reality spirituality, because I think for most people, Rebecca, the reality is they can point to 20 problems that afflict them simultaneously, and they don't know what to do. They feel like they're drowning in their circumstances. But when you make happiness the ultimate value, it's like inviting it into your life if you have the will to do so. And, and the commitment, just like, you know, some people are committed to um, riding, diet, whatever, whatever, you're, whatever you are committed to is what, you are, is what is going to grow in your life. And so back to the story with, the, you know, and I can laugh about, well, I could laugh about it then too, but I can laugh about it now. But mom dies. She leaves the family home that's supposed to go to me. This was last year in 2018. The family home that's supposed to go to me, there are only two of us, 
and to the handyman. Her handyman got in there, her handyman, the attorney, worked it out, and boy, oh, boy, what a, what a surprise, what a shock. But the problem was, right at the beginning, I started, because of what I practiced, I knew that I can't blame the handyman, I can't blame my, the, 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 my mother, I can't blame the attorney. I have to trust that, not I have to, but I trust, Whatever happened, happened for, for a reason to benefit me, for my betterment, for my expanding my consciousness. So, of course, it was, listen, this practice is not easy to do, but what, what good came out of her gifting that, her special request gift to the handyman? I wrote, I wrote it down. I found out I needed to practice trusting more. I needed to practice, practice having zero attachment. I needed to practice not having an expectation. I needed to practice more that this stuff that would happen is not serious and is not important. Because when you think something is serious and you think something is important, that already shifts your vibration out of peace into something else. I needed to practice, I needed to practice knowing that there are no mistakes in this universe, and there aren't. And so what happened, to sum everything up, in fact, I just got back from, from uh, Las Vegas. The house was in Las Vegas yesterday. I just flew in last, yesterday, last night. After a long year battle, year and two months battle, I settled with the handyman. The house is now in my name. And, but all of that time, I still needed to practice those things that I thought, I'm up here, yeah, I get a degree. I get an A-plus universe, but apparently... I needed more practice. <laughs> so that was that's the story. Well, that's kind of a, a nice uh, ending to that story if it is the end, because you never know what is going to happen next. But I am glad that the house is at least in your name. Now, does this mean you're going to be moving to Las Vegas or are you going to sell the house? No, and that's another practice, Suzanne. Thank you for that question. That's another practice. Being okay with uncertainty. The other practice is not living in the future. The other practice is acting on my inspiration to add to it. So to answer your questions, I have no idea, and I'm okay with it. But as the, as the days unfold, as the months unfold, I will be inspired to, to either sell it, to go to Las Vegas during the during the winter months because it's really cold and damp in Oregon during the winter. So I, I don't, really don't know, but I'm open to all possibilities, and I'm okay, and I trust. So that's the answer. I, have, I don't have a clue, and I'm okay with it. You know, Rebecca, one of the things that, that, I, that comes up for me here is when we opened this show, we opened it up with that little quote from Carrie of Sex in the City, you know, I don't know if I'm a pessimist or an optimist. I, I just don't know anymore. Mm. And and it, it seems to me that there is a, a very foundational, basic decision that you need to make. It, this was said to me many, many, many years ago, and I've thought about it hundreds, if not thousands of times. You have to ask yourself the first question. Is the universe for me or is the universe against me? Because that's how you live your life. Yeah. You live your life like you're always 
is uh, being defensive and ready for the next attack, the saber-toothed tiger coming out, or you are living your life as though things are going to unfold in the right order at the right time for my benefit, as you were saying, and so you're not looking at your the universe as being your enemy, but as being your friend. And I think once you a- a- answer that question for yourself, then from there, all these practices that you were talking about, and I love the things you named, they went by so fast. I hope that, that we didn't miss, you know, some of those things. Because as you said, if you're going to build that muscle of happiness, you need to do certain exercises every day to build that muscle. And there are certain foods that you can't put into your brain that are going to detract, you know, from that. And, uh, and so you, you have built that practice up. And, uh, and that's a little bit about what we want to talk about today, because... We're in the holiday season, Black Friday, crowds, sales, money, gifts, the whole thing. You know, how do you look at that? Do you look at that as the most wonderful time of the year, as we've heard uh, sung in the Christmas carols, or is this just a horrible time of year? So, you know, how is it that people are going to look at that? You know, you said something which is very profound. How ask yourself that question. Do you trust that everything that happens to you or will happen to you is for your betterment? Everything that unfolds, there are no mistakes, and you are here. We're here to grow and expand and to relax and have fun. When I say have fun, I mean just just feel that, that vibration of contentment. Just, and that vibration of being satisfied. You know, there's a big difference of feeling satisfied and dissatisfied. And we're taught. So let's get back to the beginning, because those people that, that, are, that are, don't trust the universe, it's not their fault. It is a programming. We were all programmed to believe certain things. We were programmed to blame other people for how we're feeling or blame circumstances. So... It's, it's really the programming that is causing the suffering. And getting back to the holidays, that is a huge programming. The only reason why, well, this is my opinion, but the only reason why people are so depressed, or, well, you hear about people being depressed or sad over the holidays, is because of the programming that, well, everybody's supposed to be happy and family and, and, and gather together and, and all of this joy, but what if you don't feel like it? What if you don't feel like going over to someone's house? But, but the obligation is so heavy during the holidays, the obligation, the obligation to look a certain way, to feel a certain way, it's just too much. And if I say to someone, you know, I'm spending Christmas all by myself, with, with <laughs> all by myself watching television, I mean, I don't, there's not anybody that tells me, wow, that sounds like a great day. No, it's, it's the... Oh, really? You don't have family? And the other program, are you going to go see your son for Christmas? Are you, you know, are you going to be with people? Are you, it, it's the, it's the whole, the whole programming. Holidays are overrated. Listen, the celebration can happen. You can have Christmas in April. You can have Thanksgiving in June, but the obligation of it has to be on a certain day is, is, is a, mm, it's like, 
putting someone in a jail cell. It's like herding cattle. We all have to act this way on this day. We all have to feel like this on this day. I mean, I'm here to tell you, celebrate it any way you want to celebrate it. Holidays are whatever holiday you sell. And, and do, do, if you love being around family, that's okay, too. But I know I don't know how I'm going to feel until that day. So I'm going to follow my inspiration. And if I want to be around people, yes. If I don't, it's okay, too. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be at peace. When you were a youngin, Rebecca, yeah. what was Christmas like for you? Did you have all the, oh, the trimmings and trappings? Lots of gifts under the tree? Yes. It, oh, it was a big mic. It was everything. It was the tree. It was the expectations. It was, it was the most exciting, <laughs> wonderful time of the year. I bought into the programming, too. I bought into it. I loved it. I had to, Christmases had to look a certain way. And then it just, I just got so tired of having to do it if I didn't feel like it. And it probably started with, you know, you know, I don't want a Christmas tree this year. No, I don't. I really don't want to buy any presents. I don't want to do that. And really it's about the individual going and feeling how do you feel and being okay with following how your, your inspiration. And if people that love you that say, well, you've got to come to my dinner or my, my, my family luncheon, and if you don't, they're going to be disappointed. Well, I'm sorry, but if you love someone, you want to, you want, this is my, my thought, you allow them to be themselves on any day they want. Obligation and love are not, they, they do not work in the same sentence. Either love them and without conditions, or you obligate them and control them. So great Christmases, great birthdays, and then I had to get to a point where sometimes I feel like celebrating, sometimes I don't. I won't know, but I'm not going to have the day dictate how I feel or don't feel. Did I answer I your like question? Well, you, I don't ever know. put you in the driver's seat. Right, right. You know, we, we, we've all had whatever programming that we had as youngsters, and I find it carries over into adulthood. And just with the maturation and the natural aging process, I can remember as a very young girl uh, making gifts one year for everybody. I was into knitting, so everybody got something knitted that year. And I was at my grandparents' house, and they didn't have any gifts for each other. And I said, you didn't, you didn't buy each other gifts? You, you didn't buy each other gifts? And my grandfather looked at me and he said, there's nothing we need. When we, when we need something, we just go out and buy it. And then we don't need it anymore. He said, so there really isn't anything that we needed for Christmas. And if we think of something, we'll go get it. Well, I just thought that was terrible as a youngster, that there were no surprises in boxes. And so now, decades later, here I am, their age, and and do Gary and I have Christmas gifts? No. We went out, we got new phones, we got a new coffee center. When When we think, well, we need to get that, we don't wait to be surprised at Christmas time. We just go out and get it. 
No, I can see where my grandparents were at. I needed to age all those years so that I realized that Christmas isn't about the packages and the bows and the surprises. And, and And I feel the same way. One of the things that you talk about in your book, and this is a real big deal with regard to happiness, and I'm right there with you, and that is letting go of judgments. So, you know, here I was judging my grandparents all those years ago, and today I just laugh at that judgment (laughs) because now I'm like them. If I need something, I go out and get it. So there's nothing I really need. And um, and the, the judging of people really is one of those things that that takes away from your happiness. When some, when you look at somebody and decide that rather than the unconditional love you were talking about, that they are lacking in some way, mm-hmm. it affects you more than it affects them, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness. I'm getting chills again. You are so right. But let me go back just quickly to that statement you said as a little girl. You said, oh, you're not getting any gifts, and you said, you thought that was horrible. Well, see, even that thought that it was horrible is a program. You learned that, Suzanne. You learned that not giving gifts was horrible. That is what I'm talking about when I say the programming. Yes. So, so, so and, the, and the programming is so deep, we're supposed to get gifts. So it is the programming that we're all battling. But back to your, this, about the judgment, and that is so true. Judgment just subtracts. You might as well be, you might as well shoot yourself in the foot. You might as well just drink the poison because all judgment subtracts from your peace, subtracts from your happiness. But the reason why people judge, number one, we were programmed to judge. We were programmed because our parents did the best they could. They, we we're all doing the best that we can, including myself. But the judgment of looking at someone else, and listen, I got an award for judging. I got to say, I I had to to beat the Guinness Book of Records for judgment. I was top of the hill. I was great at it. But the problem is when I started to prioritize and really commit to wanting to be feeling better, feeling peaceful, feeling happy, I had to eliminate judgment. And what that meant was because all judgment comes from self. You, when you judge others, that means you, I already know you're judging yourself. So it always comes back to the individual. It always comes back to the person in the mirror that the reason why you can judge others is because you judge yourself. So I had to practice, let go of all self-judgment. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, that was not easy. It, it wasn't because it, <laughs> I was the best critic ever. I was the best critic of self ever. But getting to a point where I want to think of me, you know what, I'm going to think of myself just the way the universe does. I want to think of myself just the way the universe thinks about me. And the universe doesn't see anything wrong. And the universe looks, looks at all of us and sees nothing but perfection. The sun shines on the serial killer and the pope. Crazy, but it does. So there's no judgment out in the universe, and there's no judgment out in nature. You don't see the animals, you know, the lion saying, oh, boy, look at that lion. Boy, poor guy. <laughs> so there's no judgment out in nature. That's where you get your clues. 
what's out in nature is the same as far is the same for a human. But we're taught, we're programmed to judge. And a key is if anybody else, they say, is this, if anybody else is in your mind or in your thoughts, that means you're in their business, you're in the business, stay out of their business, mind your own business, and you'll be happier. I really love what you're talking about regarding nature. Uh, that really sticks out for me, Rebecca, because, for example, I, I admit, well, admit, I declare that I enjoy some of these programs. It might be National Geographic. You know, I used, I'm a veteran of old uh, Omaha, Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom with yes, Marlon Perkins. Yeah. <laughs> and Jim wrestling the crocodile, sneaking up behind him. There are all of these, these wonderful wild shows. And the thing that runs like a thread through all of them is the unspoken requirement, really, which states that nature must have its way. If you see, you know, uh, some wolves ganging up on a bison, you don't uh, throw rocks to try to chase them away because you're filming bison in Yellowstone that day. Nature must have its way. And so we, there's a certain detachment that is required of somebody who's going to film nature. Nature. And we draw all these lessons. We derive them from our observations of nature. I love that you brought that up, but it takes a lot of self-discipline because if you're letting nature have its way, that doesn't mean that life is so constructed as to be eternally convenient for the individual. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, there's a group of monkeys that in Africa. They're called the bonobos. Have you heard about the bonobos? Yes. Yeah, and they're they're a group of, and all they do is just love each other. <laughs> There's no fighting. They don't fight over food. Uh, Suzanne, the females are in charge. But anyway, it's it's just it's just all it's a community. There's there they don't attack, and and they really have to be protected because uh, they don't have any. I think let me let me stop because I'm not really sure, but I I do did a little bit of. And I was reading on them, and I just thought, wow, what a what a interesting group of animals that don't prey on each other, that that are just into just love and let just let live. And when you don't fight over food, uh, in other words, they're sharing. So even, but but even, I remember watching uh, penguins. There are penguins, and if a penguin has more than one, peng, one, one more than one baby penguin, well, the the smaller one gets left behind. The smaller one doesn't get taken care of because they're only going to take care of one penguin, one baby. And so the smaller one is left to die. But is there a judgment that that's good or bad? It's just, it's just what's happening. Life is a boatload of experiences without judgment. So our problem comes from when we're judging something is good or something is bad. It's an experience without judgment. And the practice is eliminating all judgment. That is a lifetime pursuit. From the minute you get that, if you're going to commit to it, it's, it feels to me like it's something that you could do the rest of your life, and you never really get to an end point until you stop breathing and your heart stops pumping blood. There, But this mental practice, the spirituality of it, reality-spirituality, reminds me a great deal in your estimation of it, Rebecca, of Zen Buddhism and the idea that the moment is the thing unto itself. It's not supposed to take you anywhere. It just is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well put. Well put. I was, um, 
there's a, a nurse, she's a, she's a hospice nurse, and she wrote this article, you can find it online, and she, she wrote an article about, about her patients, and she specifically asked, maybe they were coming to the end of their lives, the last two weeks, two, three weeks of their lives, and she asked them, she says, what are your regrets? Now, these are, these are people that are dying, and, the, and she wrote the, the five most, you can Google it, the five most common regrets of the dying. Well, one of the regrets was, I wish that I was happier. Hmm. That's powerful wish, to me. Right. Without, without stipulating how they would become happier, but to have that, uh, their thoughts be happy ones a good portion of the time was something that they almost like fired an arrow and missed. There was a sense of not quite making the mark. Well, well the, 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 is, is to prioritize being happy. Make that a priority as opposed to prioritizing uh, making money or prioritizing a title or prioritizing uh, traveling or relationships. In other words, make it a priority. And, it, 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 you know, you're right, Gary. It's never done until you do breathe your last breath. It isn't. You'll never be bored. Let me tell you, you will never be bored. <laughs> you will never have nothing to do because you're always working, checking in moment by moment on self. Okay, let's see. That is a clue that person, one of my things, one of my big challenges is customer service. Oh, don't get me started with customer service on the phone. Oh, boy, I got I to gotta bring out all my practices because <laughs> one of the things is just, oh, the questions, the robotics, you know the questions. Hi, and then at the, uh, hi, how, how can I help you? And then at the end, is there anything else I need to do? I'm telling you the robotic questions just can take me into a tailspin. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to really say, okay, come on, relax. These people are doing the best they can. It doesn't matter that you're on the phone with them for 45 minutes to get one simple, <laughs> to get the one simple question answered. But see, I know it's not the customer service. I know it's me. I know it's my vibration that's unsettled. And the universe is using customer service because they say, you know, Rebecca, you haven't mastered that yet. You haven't been able to just zip through it. I don't care how long you're on the phone. I don't care how many times you're transferred. you got to be able to be peaceful through that. You're the happiness specialist. Let's go. <laughs> You've set yourself a challenge, and you can yeah. read all about it in Rebecca L. Norrington's book, Reality Spirituality, The Truth About Happiness. And around here, we believe that happiness is the truth. Let's take a couple of minutes break, come back, more with Rebecca, and we'll discuss this happiness and how to get some. How about happiness and how to be some? That will be a lot of fun on the other side of this break. We're Manson Mitchell, and you're tuned in to Seattle's home of Alternative Talk, AM 1150. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to mansonmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mance and Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. 
Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. On Friday, Mance and Mitchell welcome back Rebecca Norrington, author of Reality Spirituality, The Truth About Happiness. On Saturday, Mark Anthony, psychic medium and lawyer, makes the case for the afterlife as he shares evidence of eternity. Bringing you fascinating talk since 2007. We are Mance and Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Talk radio with a purpose. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Rebecca Norrington, author of Reality, Spirituality, The Truth About Happiness. Rebecca, this is the opportunity we want to give you to tell people once again what your website is, how they can reach you, and maybe share a story or two about happiness. So what is, what's the best way to connect with you? Thank you, Suzanne. My website is RebeccaNorrington.com. That's R-E-B-E-C-C-A. N-O-R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N, and my my email address is info at RebeccaNorrington.com. My Twitter is R-L Norrington. I have an Instagram. I have an Instagram account. It's Reality Spirituality, and uh, I'm for 2020, I'm having uh, retreats here in Southern Oregon. Of course, it's going to be mm, for individuals and groups, so I'm really looking forward to that. And you can contact me with that. And I'm also available for weekend uh, weekend retreats in other places and seminars and workshops. So, hey, if you're feeling it, yes. And if you are feeling it, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for that. We, uh, I don't know if we, we knew where we were going with this, but there's something that's still on my mind from our, our – oh, I do know where we're going – um, from the last, before the break, uh, before we launch into a new topic, one of the things that we were um, talking about in uh, judging, taking away from your happiness, subtracting rather than adding to your happiness, one of the things that when you when you look at where you're at and where other people are at, and you were saying, you know, you might you might just want to stay home and watch TV. You don't have to go out to Thanksgiving dinner, go out to Christmas dinner, you know, whatever that might be. It, I think one of the ways in which I kind of resolve all of that stuff from my past, the programming that you talk about, is you, you just look at people and realize that they all see things differently. They all have different perspectives on things. And we want people to be happy in the exact same way that we're happy. If I'm happy shopping, you should be happy shopping. And it's funny that I really don't like to shop, and I resist it with all my might. I I will only shop when I'm absolutely desperate, you know, and the clothes are in rags. And then I'll say, okay, (laughs) I'll go shopping. But we, we want other people's happiness to look like ours, and I, and I think in letting go of those judgments, it is saying they see things differently from the way that I do. And it's okay. It's okay that they don't see it the way I see it. 
So that's a, that's a practice that I've adopted. And I, I like the things that you talk about that are very practical in how to add to your happiness and be aware of what things subtract from your happiness so that um, you can give those things up. And to that end, we wanted to talk about worrying. And, you know, if you want to tell your story about worrying, I'll, I'll go ahead and invite you to do that. Oh, okay, that story. Okay. But, you know, I just wanted to, to underline what you, what you were saying. And it's so true. That is the, one of the biggest, biggest issues or challenges that an individual, I'm going to use myself as the example. I remember saying this out loud please don't tell anyone that if the world if more people were like me the world would be a better place i remember thinking that and but the, but the truth is we are all as different as our fingerprints and so it is impossible not only not to know some know someone unless you are inside unless you are in their skin so the knowing that we are all so different and allowing and accepting the big word is acceptance and when you look at someone else and you find that they should or could do something different that acceptance is the important practice because once you accept the differences and be okay with the differences just let's go back to the nature. Look at all the animals in the herd. There's not one that's, the, that's alike with the other one, and not one animal, not one wildebeest is looking at the other wildebeest and saying, oh, you should be more like me. So it is, it is a programming to think that, that, yes, my way, or just like you said, Suzanne, people are so different. You know, one of the things that threw me off, this, this, the perspective, in, and if, if you practice changing your perspective or having more than one perspective, one of the key things, if you ever find yourself caught in a spot where you're not feeling good, all you have to do is shift your perspective. Say somebody is, you're driving on the freeway and somebody cuts you off and you're, you know, you're angry. Look at them. They're unsafe. Look, how rude and all of that. You flip them off or they flip you off. But what if I told you that, they were rushing and they cut you off because their only child was in a hospital and uh, they just got the word and they're rushing to the hospital. Your perspective would shift instantly. So it's a practice of sh- shifting your perspective and practice changing your perspective, especially if you don't feel good. And that brings me to, to thank you for letting me share this. It, it, it's about being a parent and worrying about your children. <laughs> and all worrying means that you just don't trust. All worrying is just a lack of trust. And I have an only child, and he was working in Hawaii uh, the last three months. Now, I'm not the parent. I don't know his friends. I don't have the contact mess, the contact information. But every month, me and his dad send him money for insurance, for his medical insurance. And my son will always send a text back, thank you. Now, he won't text me back for other things, but when we send this money for his medical insurance, he always texts back, thank you. And for it was 10 o'clock in the morning, and he didn't text back. So I said, okay, he's probably busy, he's working. Well, it got later and later and later. Now it's in the evening, 
and know that he always texts back, thank you for this particular thing, and I know that. And it gets later, and now I'm, I'm thinking, okay, there's something up. He's in, a, you know, in another state. I don't know where he is. I, I, called, I just called his phone. The phone was off. That's another thing. I called the phone. The phone was off. I said, okay, left a message. Now it's getting to be 9 o'clock at night. I don't know what's going on. I go on social media. He hasn't posted for 24 hours. As a mom, I go right to, okay, something's happened. Something's happened, and I'm, and I'm getting my little tension. I'm getting tension, but, but I know what to practice. I trust that he's okay wherever he is. And then I practice whatever happens is going to happen you know, for my betterment. And then I said, well, what if he's not alive? What if my only son has died? I said, and I also practice looking for and finding the good in any situation. And I said, finding the good in any situation if my only son is dead? I, and I'm sitting here, now I'm, now I'm in tears. I'm sitting here, my only son is dead. Universe, you want me to find something good in my only son dying? Are you kidding me? And I'm, and I'm conflicted, and, but I know and I trust. And the universe gave me their one speck of what's good about my only son dying, and that's so he doesn't have to grieve when I die. That's the only thing I could hold on to. But it is a practice. It is a practice of trusting. It is a practice of knowing everything is in order. It is really a practice of knowing that the universe and you are connected. And I, I didn't, I, listen, I'm not saying I felt good about it, <laughs> but there was one good thing that I could come up with, and it's a change of perspective. So right. it, it was really, he's okay, <laughs> but it was really, really, and I, and I told him the story, and he says, he says, Mom, he says, I, I thought you, you died about 50 times. <laughs> so it is, it is what do we practice? And talking about death and talking about life and death with your children, I think the programming, especially in the United States, is, no, we don't want to talk about it. But we talk about it and we make jokes about it and, and we, we are, it's part of life and it's just, it's just an easier, more peaceful way to navigate through this life. And thank you for letting me share that. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, one of the things that, that you talk about is building the muscle of happiness. And, and that is, it isn't something you can do one time and it's done. This has to be a regular practice that, that you are committed to in order to have that peace of mind most of the time you still get presented with these challenges some of the time. And, and, and I know what you mean. Worry is a particularly insidious one. When, um, when Gary says, I'm going to run to the store, I'll be back in a few minutes, and he takes off. If I hear a siren four minutes after he's left, oh my gosh, I hope he hasn't been in an accident. I mean, worrying needlessly and then he told me one time um, that in his astrological chart, he has a certain protection when it comes to travel. So now when the siren comes on, I say to myself, oh, no, he's protected. It's in his astrological <laughs> chart. So I have to, like, settle myself down 
So I don't think that, you know, he's been in a car accident somewhere. But it's that that worrying that is saying that I don't trust how the universe is working. And worrying subtracts from happiness. And, you know, I, I was a professional worrier. And, you know, now I'm just an amateur worrier. But I think a lot of people have that in the same way that a lot of people judge. You know, judging and worrying, these are things that we do that do not add to our happiness. And 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 you're you're absolutely right. It is a epidemic. When I when I ask people if I'm if I'm talking, I ask people how many of you worry, everybody raises their hands. And yeah. the worrying the worrying is another program. You were not born worrying, Suzanne. You were taught to worry. We were not born judging. We were taught to judge. So whatever you were taught, whatever you learned, you can unlearn. But worrying just means lack of trust. That's all it is. So it's practicing trust more. And then I'm not going to say, so. well, Rebecca, how do you do that? Well, everybody's different. We're all as different as, we all are as different as our fingerprints. So ask the universe. I always ask the universe how questions. How can I how can I trust more? Just throw out the question. How can I let go of my judgment? Just throw out the question and let the universe work it out for you. Whatever you ask, you will get an answer. And I, I would like to just read just a few things that are, are behaviors that subtract from happiness so people can know if they're doing any of these things to start being aware of them and start eliminating them one by one. It is not overnight. This has taken decades and decades, but that's another thing. Impatience. <laughs> Impatience subtracts from your happiness and your peace. You know, one thing I don't do anymore is rush. I do not rush. I don't care how late I'm going to be. I never rush because that rushing energy, I can't be happy and rush at the same time. It doesn't, it, it, what? So eliminate just one, one of the things. One of them is rushing, blaming anybody for how you feel, comparing yourself to anybody else, noticing what someone else is doing. All of these things are subtracting from your peace. Talking about what someone else is doing, thinking anything is serious, thinking anything is important. How about this one? This is a hard one. This is a hard one for people that have causes, people that have causes either you know, eliminate the plastic bags, uh, global warming, whatever the cause is, this wanting someone else to think what you think is important is important. The animal rights people, you know, they want you to think that, that, that their cause is important. Now, their cause isn't important to them, but they get, they get I'm, not, I'm just putting a blanket over. People get mad when their cause isn't important to you. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I see that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Sharing bad news. All expectations subtract from happiness. Giving power to words. Oh, my goodness. My second book, Program for Unhappiness, is going to be coming out next year. But this giving power to words, I cannot wait to tell people that. There's no, I can't offend you. I can't hurt your feelings. That's your responsibility. All these people are offended out there. I hope I live to get past that one. But, <laughs> but no, we're, we, we, were, we were 
programmed to think that words are powerful and words can hurt us. Having attachments, living in the past, living in the future. We talked about judgments. Oh, this is a hard one, especially since I'm a football fan. Having preferences. I prefer this team to that team. I prefer sunny to cold. Now, we can, but really, will I rather all preferences subtract from peace? And trying to control anyone or any anybody or anything outside of yourself. I mean, how about this one, getting embarrassed? How many of you out get embarrassed? Hello? Yes, we Audience? have. Everybody has from time to time. And the only thing with embarrassment is because you care about someone, what someone else thinks. Right, right. I think if anybody, and we're talking about just about everybody on the planet because we live in societies even if you go to live in a cave there you might come back down into society and you have to transact if you wanted to go live in a cave you probably have to check out whether somebody has prior claim to it or maybe you rent your cave so we we're transacting beings and when we do that we know that there are people who will evaluate us another way of putting it is to say they will judge us favorably or unfavorably. I really like your attitude about that in a couple of ways, Rebecca, to not be embarrassed when somebody says or does something contrary to your interests or your self-image is the mark of a self-disciplined person. The same goes for anyone who is willing to live their life methodically. And just think of the word methodical or methodically. It seems so boring. And yet I have to say, Rebecca, that some of the most effective people I know and some of the most accomplished are methodical people who don't go dancing around with a lampshade on their heads. They just make things happen that benefit themselves and others. What more can I ask? Mm -hmm. mm, well, let's say this. Let's say this. When you look at when you say successful people out there, you really don't know anybody until they're challenged. You know, I, I understand what you're saying, but, but give, give a person a challenge to chew on, and, that's, and, and you still won't know them because, because there's a lot of things going on behind the curtains, behind the scenes. And looking at someone and, and seeing, you know, what, what's successful? What, what is success? Having money, having a title? I mean, Michael Jackson, Robin Williams, they had everything. But so that, that definition of success is a program, and in my, my mind, especially the Western United States, success is, well, I know a lot of, or seen a lot of, there's evidence of a lot of quote-unquote successful people, but they're not very peaceful, they're not very happy, or else they wouldn't make the decisions that they're making. So it, it's, it's another program of what's successful. For me, success is being able to get to my deathbed, on my deathbed, and I have a smile. That's it. Nothing that I've done, I just feel at peace with myself. That's success. And to feel at peace with myself through every moment throughout, throughout this life, throughout this journey. My favorite quote is, you can't have a happy ending to an unhappy journey. It really is about the journey, moment by moment, and how you're vibrating in each moment. That's success. Being aware, being, a con being conscious, being conscious. That's success. Being able to make a different decision that, than that the herd makes, a different decision. 
And to That's be good with that, if you're not like the herd, you're going to be labeled a nonconformist, maybe even a troublemaker. And I have found that difficult from time to time because I tend to be rather individualistic and I've been called a nonconformist and worse. But I'm okay with that because I have to live with myself, even if I'm not living with or with the approval of anyone else. Yes, 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 and yes, exactly. I, I, I love when people insult me. It makes me laugh. Some guy told me, somebody <laughs> told me at the airport yesterday, he, he said, we were just chatting for a minute, and I asked him a tough question. He says, oh, you sound like one of those women that have been hurt and a bitter woman and hates men. I said, and I started laughing. It was so funny. The insults, please insult me. It makes me laugh because I know who I am. Just like you said, Gary, I'm comfortable with who I am in my own skin. I care. You know, the universe says I'm okay. I'm okay. Rebecca, uh, your book, Reality, Spirituality, The Truth About Happiness, has the things in it that will tell you how to add to your happiness. It will also talk about the things that don't add to your happiness. We're down to our last minute, minute and a half here. Do you have any real pithy advice for people going into this holiday season? Holiday season. Okay, I love that. Well, holiday season, let's let's drop our shoulders. Let's take a deep breath. Let's relax and let's really feel what what do you really feel like doing? <laughs> Just ask yourself that question. Do you feel like shopping? Do you feel like attending? I mean, really let's 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 start asking self. Let's start knowing self and asking What's going to bring me more peace? What is going to make me feel peaceful? And whatever that is, it's okay to do that. One of the things that, some of the things that add to happiness is making happy, number one is making happiness a priority. And it's surrendering to what is happening in the moment. Humbling their ego, being yourself, accepting. And this holiday season is very challenging because there's a lot of demands. There's a lot of demands. People put demands. It's just the world puts demands. And I say, don't, don't tell anyone. If you feel like it, I call it hibernation. Just, just, just do something that you want to do. Do something Perfect. you want to do. I love that. The book, once Thank again. Thank you, Rebecca. Reality, Spirituality, The Truth About Happiness, Including Happy Holidays. How about having that frame of mind all year round? Rebecca L. Norrington. Thanks, Rebecca. It's always great to talk to you. Thank you. I love it. Thank you. All right. Stay tuned for Christine Upchurch, followed by the Susan Harmon Experience, and then American Road Trip Talk with... That's, that'll work. And <laughs> <laughs> We can trip over our own times. I do tomorrow. it all the time. <laughs> Have a great day, everybody. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.